And as a church, we have been sending out a series uh, behind me here called Bodybuilding. No. Uh, it's going to be in the end eight sermons uh, from Ephesians 4, uh, verses 1 through 16. You can be uh, turning your Bibles there if you'd like. Um, and uh, it's been a great, it's been a great uh, conversation so far, has it not? We've been digging into the Scriptures, talking at our moving services and our family group meetings, which are outside of this time about what it really means to be a part of God's church and what it really means to build God's church up. Um, and so uh, without further ado, we're going to jump back into um, really a conversation on the idea of conversation. Um, uh, if, I had, if I had the slides right now, you would see uh, that there are you know, eight kind of building blocks we've been talking about from Ephesians 4, uh, verses 1 through 16. We've talked about things like life and relationships and grace and doctrine, right? Um, and uh, l- last time we were in the scriptures, we talked about from the bodybuilding series unity, if you remember, right? And so we're going to pick off on that idea of unity and jump into a conversation today about conversation, because uh, that's another building block uh, that Ephesians four describes uh, quite well. So we're going to pick it up here in Ephesians four, uh, verse thirteen. And if you don't have a Bible, try to try to get beside somebody who does. Because we're a little, uh, we're having some technical issues for now on the slides. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, let's read it together. Uh, in verse 13, we'll pick it up. After Paul says to the church in Ephesus that God has put leadership in place to equip his people for works of service, it says, until, in verse 13, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. They will no longer be infants, he goes on to say, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. And so we talked last time about how Paul, he really equates you know, maturity to producing unity in the church. And so if we're not unified, it shows as a church body, we're not mature. We're not maturing as we ought to in Christ. And then he goes on to say, instead, instead of that immaturity, he says... Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And so Paul, Paul says here, you know, toward the end here in verse 15, there's a, be, there's, there's, a, there's a better way to go instead of being tossed back and forth by the immaturity of doctrine and by people and, people and their deceitful schemings. And what he says that is, he says, he says it's speaking the truth in love. And so that's the next bodybuilding block we want to talk about today, uh, which is the idea of having a uh, conversation. And we're going to go, we're going to go uh, dark, dark ops today, no slides. <laughs> Some of us are ADD. It's going to be very challenging. So stay with me. That's okay. We'll be fine. I promise you we'll get through it. Um, and so verse 15 is this, is this key part of this entire passage. Paul says, you know, we don't want to be immature. We want to get united. So what do we have to do, church? He says, speak the truth in love. And at face value, hey, sounds great. But in reality, we all know, if you've been in the church for a little while, or you're even maybe new to church today, speaking the truth in love is not easy. It's actually quite challenging. It challenges our simple natures. It challenges our cultural norms. Uh, and, and, and it can challenge a lot of other things. What are some reasons? Let's open it up here since we have no AD. Uh, what are some reasons? Audience participation here. What are some reasons why it's so hard sometimes to speak the truth in love? What are some reasons? Personal, cultural, or whatever. Let's speak nice and loud. Sometimes you feel like you're being oversensitive. 
Okay, sometimes you feel like maybe it's just me and I shouldn't speak up. Okay, that's a great one. Sometimes it just results in a big mess and you wish you'd never started. Oh man, if I say something, there's going to be drama and I just don't want any drama today. Okay, yeah. Pride. Pride. It's just, it's just pride. Fear. Fear. We're, we're afraid of what might happen. I mean, the art explains for God that you can't see. Right. Okay. So sometimes there's just a lack of faith. Yeah. I was going to say emotions. Yeah. Fear. Emotions. Yeah. Fear. Right. Fear right. Any thoughts as to why it's hard sometimes, difficult to speak the truth in love? It's challenging. You might be so speaking in your own sentence. You might. You might be a hypocrite or feel like a hypocrite at least. Yeah. Yeah, I think people might call it defensive, so then we're pretty quite from that defensive. Right, we're, we're fearful of the reaction. Everyone has their own version of the truth. Everyone has their own version of the truth, and we're going to talk about that, Zach. That's a good one. See, sometimes we can sort of sway more to one or the other, like we can speak the truth too much, Some of us, we love the love part, and, we, and we're afraid of the truth part, or vice versa. Yeah. You may get hurt. You might get hurt. You might hurt them, and they might hurt you if you, if you speak up. Yeah, that's a good one. One more here. Sometimes you want to speak truth in anger. Oh, sometimes there's some stuff in our heart that's really messy, and we just want to unload it rather than, rather than speak the truth uh, in love. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about a lot of those things, because it's, it's, it's a challenging idea, but according to what this passage says to me, there's no way the church can be built up and be mature if we don't learn to speak the truth in love. We can do it. Paul's calling them to it. And to, you know, thousands of years later today, he's calling us to it as well. Oh, amen! Amen! We have exercised the demons. So there's lots of challenging, you know, some of the challenges are, are misconceptions. Some of us, you know, when we think of speaking the truth and love in the church, we think, well, that's the leader's job. But this is written to the church. It's not written to the leaders. Some of us, you know, uh, we, we love to bring truth, but it's truth uh, from our vantage point. Like Zach said, it's just about our opinions and our feelings rather than biblical truth, which we'll talk about a bit later, which is what this passage really implies. Uh, some of us, you know, it's just too much about us. It's too personal. And so we're, we're bringing this to someone, but it's really just about our feelings and what we want rather than them. Some of us, you know, we, we like to present truth, but we like to do it in a very vague, roundabout way. We like to be sarcastic and joke. Or even as a preacher, I can think, I'm going to preach this point and this brother and sister, they better get it. You know, rather than really doing what the Bible says, which is it should be a one-on-one conversation. It should be a one-on-one conversation. Uh, and, and the other thing I think that's challenging, and maybe this wasn't mentioned, is it actually takes a lot of perseverance. It's, it's rarely, rarely one conversation. Rarely one conversation. So that, that's what it is not. Because I think there are a lot of misconceptions. And I think we probably know if we've been a Christian for, for one day or a hundred or a thousand. Most of us as Christians probably know what speaking the truth in love actually is like. Because we've probably already experienced it. We've been around the church for a little while, and for me, I wouldn't become a Christian had someone not spoken the truth in love to me. If you've been around the church just for a little while, you've you already experienced this. And even if you're not a Christian today, you've probably experienced this. Maybe it was your mom or your, or your dad or, 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 or a brother or a sister, where, where someone, they, they spoke absolute truth to you. And as a Christian, we believe that would only be Scripture. 
They spoke absolute truth to you, but, but you know they did it out of love. And maybe it hurt, maybe it was painful, but you know they did it out of love. And I remember as a, as a younger Christian, uh, I was aspiring to, to, to do more in the campus ministry I was in back in the States. That's a U.S. accent. We have funny accents in this church, by the way, if you're visiting as well. Many accents. Um, but I was aspiring in our, our university ministry to, to, to be more of a leader, and I'd been promoted to do some things like that. And I remember just, just getting to a point where I started getting arrogant and prideful toward the guy who was kind of training me and mentoring me. And I remember him sitting me down one day in his house. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, your, your, your pride your pride reminds me of Peter. When, when, when Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. And I was like, whoa! You know, I so was like, okay, I'm listening now, you know. It was strong, it was clear, it was firm, but it was done in love. And he was right in many ways. And rather than analyzing the package, the presentation, the sin of his life, I was like, thank you. Thank you for, for speaking up. Pride is a dangerous thing. Pride is what makes often people fall into greater and greater sins. And so I remember being thankful for that moment. And, I, and since then I've had many other moments where brothers and sisters have spoken the truth and loved me. And again, maybe at the time I didn't feel thankful, but when I look back I think, praise God that I had people in my life who would speak truth and love to me. You know, what, is the, what, are the, what do the Proverbs say? That's the scripture we've been focusing on here. Proverbs 27, verses 5 through 6. Better is open rebuke, and I'm guessing that doesn't feel very good, than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs 27, verses 5 through 6. And again, this is a challenging topic. Some of us have maybe had some, some bad experiences with this in the church. Some of us maybe even have even walked away for a time in the church over these kinds of issues. And so I don't want to belittle this in any way, but biblically and spiritually, it's something we have to figure out. And so let's just look at two components here in our remaining time, and then we're going to end our service. We've been doing this late. We're going to end our service with a great time of worship together. Uh, so we look forward to that at the end. But before we do that, let's just look at two big ideas here um, from the text. Uh, about how to really speak the truth in love. To, to speak the truth in love, we, first we have to be willing to tell the truth. We have to be truth-telling people to do this. Because that's exactly what, this, what the text says. It says we have to speak the truth. We have to speak the truth. And the question has already been brought up is, well, what is truth? What, what, is, what is Paul referring to here when he says, speak the truth? Well, as you look at the context of the passage... Uh, in many ways, he's referring, I think, only to biblical truth. Not people's opinions, people's feelings, what's popular in the church, uh, even uh, disputable matters and things like that. He's referring, I believe, to, to biblical truth. Because if you go back into the text, and we've already kind of looked at this and we read it briefly this morning, he talks, first of all, in verse 11 about how God has put in leadership to the church. And leadership, really, their job is are to be truth agents. But to call people's church... Uh, call the church, people's church, they're call the church back to the truth, right? The standard that, that every leader of the church should call anyone back to or call anyone toward is the truth clearly revealed in God's word. Anything beyond that is an opinion matter. Verse 13 goes on and talks about how, until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Well, what, what is the knowledge of the Son of God? It's the truth. It, it, it's, it's the truth that's revealed to us through, again, the Word of God. 
Then it says in verse 14, we're no longer be babies in boats surrounded by con men, uh, which we talked about last time. You know, it, it, this truth, once we get it from God's word, it brings stability. It brings maturity. And the option of that, of course, is, is falsehood, which brings instability. It makes us like these babies in boats getting tossed around by the waves. It says, no, instead of that, we speak the truth. And that surely then is linked, verse 15, to what he's already declared. In verses 11 through 14, which I believe is just all of this pointing back to the truth clearly revealed in God's scripture. I don't know outside of that where you draw the line. That's between you and that person and God. But certainly we draw the line where the word of God is clear. We draw the line where the word of God is abundantly true and is is abundantly spoken to us. Uh, And so I bring this up. It's an obvious point. But I bring this up because we actually cause a lot of immaturity. We actually cause a lot of disunity in the body by speaking untruth to each other. And what I mean by that is we get our opinions, we get our feelings, we, we, we get our quote-unquote convictions, and, we, and we, we speak it. We speak it back at the church, we speak it to the church, but it's not really based on the truth of God's Word. It's just based on what we feel or what we think or what we believe should be true. And when we start to take a stand on that, we start to bring judgment with that, we actually keep the body from growing. We keep the body from moving forward. And this is not just true in the church overall. It's true in our family groups. It's true in our individual relationships. We cause a lot of immaturity and disunity in the body by speaking untruth to each other. And that's not what this passage, I believe, is referring to. And there's a time and place for that. Because there's always opinions. There's always feelings. But we have to be careful not to go too far with that. That does not create unity. That creates disunity. And a lot of times when we really get riled up and fired up, and we feel like we need to speak some truth, a lot of times that's just what it is. It's just what I feel, what I think, what I believe, rather than what God's Word has clearly made true. And so biblical bodybuilding conversation starts with truth as revealed by God's Word. And so some good questions for ourselves uh, under this point of truth tellers is, do I want God's truth as it's revealed in His Word? Is that why you're here? Is that what you're looking for? You know, Derek, help the Bible. You know, that, that's how you're going to encounter Jesus today. If you're looking for the truth of Jesus, you're going to find it. You're going to find it not, not in us. We're going to try to point you to, to Him, to the truth that's revealed in Scripture. And do you want that in your life, whether you're a Christian or not? And do you want truth tellers in your life? Who, who are the men and women in your life, if you're a Christian, whom you've given permission? They know, hey. You see something in my life that's unbiblical, please, please talk to me. You see something in my life that, that you're concerned about biblically, please, please speak up. That's something that we should be inviting people that we're close to to do freely, openly. We should welcome that if we love the truth. But is that your norm? Is that your practice when it comes to your relationships within the body of Christ? And, and truth telling is interesting. It, 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 it's a two-way street, right? We've got to be able to have the courage, although it can be daunting, to, to give truth to another brother or sister with the Bible. But we also then have to have the humility to receive it. To receive it. It's a, it's a two-way street. And it's not easy. We all have to work at it, and we all have to keep growing in it. That's one of the most challenging parts of, of, of being a ministry leader. For me, it's just i got to keep learning how to, how to speak the truth to people in love. And, and it's never it's never gotten easier, and I don't think it ever will. I find that very challenging. That, probably if you, if you had a list of a hundred things 
about my job I don't like, that would probably be number one. Because my nature, you probably wouldn't necessarily believe this, but my nature is I'm a conflict avoider. If you really know me and you really know my simple nature, I don't want to get up in your grill. I don't want to be Nathan to your David. I, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's, that's, that. that's the opposite of who I am. But because of what the scriptures teach me, and because of my love for my brothers and sisters, I've got to keep learning to speak the truth to people. When the scriptures call me to do it. And like I said, it's going to be a work in progress for us all, no matter where we're at today. It's a shocking passage I came across in my study in Galatians. Um, Paul visited the region of Galatia. This is like a modern-day Turkey, roughly. Uh, he visited this region of churches three different times, we know for sure from Scripture. And so Paul has this really deep relationship with the church in the region of Galatia. And so he writes the letter, the letter of Galatians, right, we call it today. In chapter 4, verse 13, he says, As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God. As if I were Christ Jesus himself. Wow. They really love Paul. Where then, he says, is your blessing of me now? Something's changed, right? I can testify, he goes on to say, that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. I mean, man, they had a really good relationship. Wow. But then how does he end it? Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Their relationship totally changed. Why? He went from hero to the zero. Because he just, he just told them the truth. He just told them the truth. So this shows you how easy it is to push it back when it comes. And this shows you how, how, how important it is to keep working at it. Even Paul, even Paul the Apostle, had to work at it with the churches, churches in the region of Galatia. How are you doing, if you're a Christian, in giving truth to your brothers and sisters as God's Word makes clear? And reality is, yeah, we're, we're afraid of the reaction. So we don't. But that's not, but that's not speaking the truth. And certainly it's not speaking the truth in love, because it's unloving also to be afraid of the reaction. And we'll get to the love part here in a minute, for those of you who are getting really nervous right now. <laughs> and, you know, how, how are we at receiving truth? Do we make people feel like Paul when they point out truth to us? Like Paul did to the church there in Galatia. And, and an even deeper step, if you want to take it, is if you're married to another Christian... Ask your spouse how they feel about that, about you, and vice versa. Or if you're in a Christian household, ask your Christian roommates how they feel about that. Or if you're in a disciple relationship, ask the person discipling you or partnering with you how they feel about that. That's how you're really going to find out if you really want to know the truth about the kind of truth teller that you are or are not. We will never mature as a church. We will never be the church God wants us to be. We'll never build up the body without being truth tellers to one another. And it's challenging, but we got to embrace it. So truth tellers here. And second, finally, love languages. Like I said, we'll get to the love. Don't worry, brothers and sisters. We'll get to the love. Come on now, We all love the love. We all want the love. It's all about the love. Amen. <laughs> but we, we've got to have the truth, too. Jesus came full of grace and truth. He, he had both in his life. 
So we got the truth tellers, but we also got to learn to speak love languages. To speak love languages. You know, truth must be accompanied by love. Otherwise, it's, it's hard to bear. It's very hard to bear. And the pastor says, you know, we speak the truth in love. It never separates them. I'm separate them, separating them, obviously, to look at them and understand them. But the pastor doesn't separate them, right? It puts them right together. Uh, and, of course, I stole, this, I stole this point from a guy named Gary Chapman. He wrote the book, The Five Love Languages. Has anyone read The Five Love Languages? Okay, so a handful of us. It's a, it's a book... Uh, written to couples, to, to married couples specifically, it's a Christian book. And what he discovered in his, in his research and his studies as a Christian counselor is that is that most people tend to feel loved in five different ways in a marriage. And, and these are the five. You know, there, there's the acts of service. If someone serves you, it makes you feel loved as a spouse. There's gift giving. If someone you know buys you things or gets you little things, doesn't have to be expensive, you you, you feel loved by that. There's physical touch. If someone's affectionate, you, you again you feel loved as a spouse. There's receiving gifts. Um, yeah, there's giving it and receiving it. There's, there's both of them. Uh, and then there's quality time. There's quality time. So these are kind of the five uh, love languages, if you will, uh, that he uh, discovered that he thinks really help marriages. And what's amazing is when you do this as a couple. You ask your spouse, what's your love language? And they say, well, this is what makes me feel loved. And then vice versa, you kind of realize a lot of times you try to love them the way you like love. But a lot of times that's the problem. And that's why our love gets sometimes blocked and really hindered uh, you know, in, in our marital relationships. But you can apply this concept to any any relationship. And he's gone on to write like love language for teens, five love languages for teens. Five love languages for singles. Five love languages for, for left-handed people who like dogs. I mean, he has, he's a, he has a love language book for everybody now, pretty much. But the reason he's doing that is because it, it really makes a lot of sense. What you might feel as love, I may not feel as love, and vice versa. Now, we have to be very careful here at this point. Because that can quickly become a manipulation to keep the truth out of our lives. Whoa, wait a second there, truth teller. I'm not feeling the love here, so back it up. Let's talk tomorrow. That's not what this passage is teaching. That's manipulating this passage, and that's manipulating the truth teller. Now, amen. I do believe as a Christian, I can assume a truth teller loves me. I can assume that. I can have faith in that. Because why are they bringing truth to me if they don't love me anyway? Why am I going to go out of my way to spiritually punch you in the face? If I think spiritually, you might punch me back. Most of the time, 99% of the time, my experience is because we, I love that person. Or they love me. And obviously there can be other simple things that can promote that. But you understand what I'm saying. We have to be very careful here. It, it doesn't have to be in this nice neat package. That's not what this passage is saying. But this is always ideal. This is always best. To speak the truth in love. And so, you know, with the people you're closest to spiritually, do you know what their love language is? Have you thought about that? Again, in your marriage, in your, in your Christian households, in your ministries, have you thought through, yeah, i got this truth for this person, but what's the, what's the most loving way to bring this? It might be about the timing. It might be about the way you present it. It might be about the way you say it. It could be a lot of different things. And I think it'll also be what you do after that conversation. Do you follow up? Do you try to Go toward them after that if it's a little bit tense, or you just kind of walk away and keep your space. Again, that, that indicates whether we're really speaking the truth in love or not. It's not just in the moment. 
It's it's before and it's after. So speaking the truth in love is, is, is more based on the receiver than the giver. Speaking the truth in love is more based on, on who I'm going to give it to rather than how I feel about it. And the passage gives us actually more clarity, I think, on this idea. Paul goes on in chapter 4. We won't, we won't, we're not going to jump into all this later on, but I thought it's very relevant. He, says, he goes on in verse 29 in chapter 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. It's all about others, their needs, those who listen. And so right away, he says, the speech that's flying out of our mouths, it should be all about the person that's receiving it. And if we really think through that, we will be measured with our words. We'll be careful. We'll try to be loving. And when we express even a strong truth and a strong concern. And that's why I think emails and texts are very dangerous. I have learned this in the UK. When you, when you email one another strong things, when you try to truth tell through email or text messages, it's, a, it's very unhealthy. Because you don't know the look on their face. You don't know the, the feeling of their heart. You can't really get a lot of clarity. And I've, and I've a few times in the church gone down that rabbit hole, and I regret it. I regret it completely, and I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. And the funny thing is, if you're really feeling strong with someone, and you want to say some strong things to them, it's a whole lot easier to fire off with no love over an email than it is face-to-face. And so that's why I strongly encourage you to never, never be a truth-teller over email and text. Be a man, be a woman, and do it face-to-face. And I've had some of the nastiest things said to me over email. And that's just, it's just not, it's not biblical. It's not healthy. We, we've got to be better than that. And I know in the British culture, we love to be polite. I shouldn't say because we're not British, but I'm trying to be. <laughs> but the British culture, I love that about the British culture. Oh, no, after you. Oh, no, after you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone, I, I love that. I think that's a great part of the British culture. It's awesome. You, you, you know, you, you got some great things in, in, you know, in that department, but that, but that tendency to be too polite... It's very dangerous when it comes to truth telling and love. And it can kill that, that part of our church culture if we're not careful. Truth must be spoken in the right love language to be most effective. That's, that's what I'm getting at here. And, I, and again, we're going to mess this up. So let's not over, overdo this. But you understand what I'm saying. Let's really make the effort to, to speak love, that person's love language, as we tell the truth to them. You know, am I speaking truth in a way that is that is angry, that is bitter, that is hurt? Well, then maybe I need to I need to deal with my heart before I bring that truth uh, to this person. If I decided not to tell the truth, I, I, I've got to ask myself: Is that really loving this person? And again, before we even talk to somebody, how can I best communicate this biblical truth to my brother or sister? I, I know as a preacher of God's Word, I, I feel that every Sunday. And I appreciate when brothers or sisters come to me and they say, hey, you know what? That really hurt me, what you said. Right? I, I, I feel like you were off there in the Scriptures. And I, I think you may have misrepresented God's Word there. I appreciate that. Feel, feel free to bring that to me. There will be a line at the door at the end of service today probably. But I, I need that. You're not, if my ego is that big... Then we got bigger problems. 
And it's the same in our relationships. Maybe, maybe, maybe that ego needs to be shrunk down a bit. And we need to calm down and, and, and really give it and really receive it. And you know, as I said, yeah, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time to learn how to do this better and better. Uh, but we can't give up on the concept because we've struggled with it in the past. And maybe you've really been hurt. Maybe there's been a lot of truth brought to you that was even just opinion in the past. And it wasn't done in love and it really hurt you. Well, I'm sorry that that happened to you. That's terrible. You should, you should bring some truth back to that person in a loving way once you forgive them in your heart and help them to see that. Uh, but even then, then we can't we can't then just decide it's over. We don't need to do that anymore. When the scriptures make it very clear, according to verse fifteen, that's a part, a major part of building up the body of Christ. But we got to have truth, and we got to have love. Love without truth is a lie. Truth without love is mean. So let's speak the truth in love. So let's have some conversations. It's been great. We've been talking about a lot of different topics in the church. And there's some meaty subjects. Are we then following up and having real conversations in our family groups? Are we then, you know, having these real conversations before and after church? And right now, I guarantee the Spirit might even be putting something on your heart. You're like, oh, man. Yeah. That, that, that's probably true. That God's trying to think of a scripture or two. Make sure your heart's in the right place and share with that brother and sister. And, and my, my typical experience is 99% of the time when I'm really worried that it's going to go bad, it goes good. Because I come in full of love. And I come in with, with, with a scripture thought through. And, and, and even if they don't totally get it, at, at, at least it was a pleasant conversation. And then that's between them and God. I can't make someone repent. I can't make someone see truth. But I, but I can do my part to, to bring that truth in love. Did you know the average person spends one-fifth of their life speaking? I was shocked by that statistic. The average person spends one-fifth uh, one fifth of their life speaking. I think I'm probably above average, but anyway. Um, in that department. That's probably the only department actually I'm above average, but uh, I'm a talker. And if all our words were put into print, a single day's words would fill a 50-page book. While in a year's time, the average person's words would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. In one year, in one year, the average person would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. There's a lot of stuff coming out of these holes. Right? There's a lot of stuff coming out. And today the scriptures have really challenged us to make sure it's, it's full of biblical truth in the church. And that it's full of love. That it's full of love as we do it. And so we're going to have a, you know, uh, some more conversations. Uh, my awesome illustration here reminds us. The whole point of this, right? The whole point of this is to start with biblical truth and principles from God's Word. But that's not enough. That's not enough, right? Then we've got to think. Then we've got to talk and we've got to get in our Bibles and, and start to bring that truth more into our lives. But then the end result of this whole bodybuilding exercise as a church, and the next few weeks we're going to really focus in more on that, is, is where are you at? That's the wedge. Where am I at as a Christian in the Birmingham church? Am I committed fully and completely to building up this body and being a part of it? And if you're feeling unsure, if you're feeling funny, uh, you know, or, or vice versa, we need to have these talks. We need to speak the truth in love. And so some questions. 
And we'll go over these at our next midweek, which is a week from this Wednesday. Uh, and again, that's why we want every member of the church to be at every midweek, because we're having serious, serious discussions at midweeks. And, and the discussions have been awesome. It's so refreshing, so encouraging in the family group that I'm a part of, and I hope you're feeling the same way. And if you're not, well, time to, time to tell some truth. Time to share some love about those challenges. So think, how good am I at giving and receiving biblical truth, and how could I ask for feedback on this? Who could I ask for feedback on this? And second, how can I grow in loving people before I share truth with them? Because we all have to grow in them. And then the other thing here is act. You know, where, how can I bring more truth in love into my family group. I ask every member of the church to consider those questions, meditate on those, get back into the scripture, and a week from Wednesday we'll have a great discussion on that. Hopefully in your family group up to this point, you've been having some great discussions on the sermons that we've already had, uh, and that's really how we're going to move together as a church unified, every member moving forward here together in 2018. And God is blessing already, I think, our bodybuilding efforts. And I think God is just getting started and how he's going to use what we're doing here together to really move his church forward uh, 2018 and beyond. And so, amen, let's be truth tellers. Let's speak one another's love languages. Uh, Thank you for the time. Amen.